Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to start out with to Galatians 1.4. We started this out a couple of weeks ago, and uh, then uh, Nicole uh, picked it up on it and preached another part of Jesus giving himself to deliver us from the present evil of this world. And there is an evil working. It works through the bonds of iniquity that is now in process and in progress, uh, inching more so, more so, more so to the setting up of the product uh, for the uh, Antichrist. And uh, you and I are in the midst of this glorious time that the earth is being divided, shaken, and people are being saved, and people are being deceived, and, but God has purpose for us today. We are the best that God has for the worst that man faces. Amen. Hallelujah. In Galatians 1, 4, it says, Who gave himself, talking about Jesus, for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world. Somebody say, right now. Right now. The present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. We're going to talk tonight about the reality of Satan and demons. And, you know, people would get all freaked out. But one of the purposes or one of the strengths of the devil that he will use to unfold and to accomplish his purpose is deception. He's above all more deceptive than any. And so if he could deceive people to think that he was non-existent, he certainly has or can carry out covert operations that can captivate and take a generation or even a world. And so realize that he is in the midst of doing that. And every time that the devil incorporates some realm of iniquity, what he does is squelch the desire of man to serve God and to serve others. The Bible says that when iniquity abounds, then the love of many will wax cold. The love of what? Their love for father, their love for the son, their love for the Holy Ghost, the love for their spouses, the love for their families. It is an all-encompassing work that the devil is doing. But we're going to talk about the devil and demons. Remember that demons really have no description of origin. We would say, well, but the devil brought a third of the angels down with him when he fell. That is absolutely true. They are the principalities, powers, spiritual weakness, and rulers in the heavenly places. No place in the Bible does it tell us that angels can inhabit people. Amen? So you say, well, well, shouldn't we know? No, absolutely, you don't have to know. All you need to know that there are demons, there are things that you can do to stay free of them, there are things that you can do to live with them. There are things that you can do to get possessed by them. Oh, you mean people are really possessed today? Absolutely, still possessed today. There's a young lady in Mexico that we just returned from, and seen just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people get saved. But we've seen just, I don't know, dozens of blind eyes and cripples and deaf ears. But there was this one lady had been in an accident. 
So she came up. She couldn't move her jaw, which I'm not sure her husband wondered her freed of that. But she couldn't move her jaw. She couldn't move her neck. She, she walked with a, a staff. And uh, she wasn't that older than a woman, or at least you can't never tell about women anyway, uh, how old they are. They, you know, they lie about their age. Where are you? Oh, somewhere between 20 and 80. All right. So anyway, so this girl comes up. And her mom and dad are there. They're helping her. And uh, so uh, I lay hands on her. And uh, about the time I lay hands on her, guess what? She can move everything. I mean, she's screaming. She's rolling around. People are grabbing her. Take five, six, seven, eight guys to hold her still. She's, she's just going crazy. So I just took authority over the devil. And right after that, she just collapsed. You say, oh, I, I just don't believe that. That's probably why you weren't there. Amen. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, simplicity. If there's a God, there's a devil. If there's good, there's evil. If there's dark, there's light. If there's a truth, there's a lie. It, I'm pretty typical. And uh, so this woman collapses. Well, as soon as they get her up, guess what? Her jaw is freed. Her neck is free. They take the neck break, brace off. She starts moving her neck. She starts walking, and God delivered her. God healed her. Now, she'd been in that state for a long period of time, so God heals her. So uh, we, uh, in fact, one of the uh, men that was with us from Philip's church, uh, Philip and I had went over and, and uh, went into a room one time where there was a woman that uh, was demon-possessed. And uh, she was laying on this mattress, and there were about nine or ten preachers in there praying, and they're just praying in the Holy Ghost, and they're doing all that. And so I walked in, and uh, the boy that, the man that was with us in Mexico was there when this happened. And uh, so when he seen it, man, he jumped back and said, oh, my God, watch out. And uh, so uh, he was there, and uh, Philip was going over there, and I said, hey, Philip, stop and get me. I said, I'd like to go over there with you. I said, I just believe God wants me to go. So we go over there. There are seven or eight preachers in there. They've been praying. So I said, hey guys, why don't you just, Philip said, just throw them guys out of there, Pastor. Praise God, cat the devil out. What's wrong with these people? I said, no. I said, let's do it a little more palatable. So I said, hey, why don't you guys go take a break? Get some water and stuff in, and we'll pray while you guys are gone. Well, we got in there, and uh, we started uh, just talking and pretty soon started taking authority over that devil. And uh, all of a sudden, what, what did she say? The, the devil? No, yeah, what did she say to, yeah, the devil? Uh, the, when we started. Yeah, when we, yeah, when we went in there. I'm not letting her go. I said, well, number one, you're a liar. So I know you're already on your way. And uh, so this woman weighed quite above average and all of a sudden the spirit of faith fell on me and I grabbed that woman Philip will tell you I pulled her up out of that bed threw her in the air and she landed in front of me all in one motion I slapped her right across the mouth and I said now devil come out of her then the war was on well ultimately she got delivered. Amen. Immediately, she got delivered. When she came out of that, she said, 
I saw you in a vision during this time, and I saw that it was you and you had come to set me free. The woman got totally set free. And uh, that, now, I wouldn't say that the other guy didn't have power. Sometimes we can have power and be afraid to use it or be not um, trained enough or intelligent enough or bold enough to use what God has given us. But demons are real. And believe me, there are more demons in America than there are in other countries. Believe me, because there is more, as it were, iniquity happening in America than that is happening in any other nation in country in our world. I'm just telling you that. And uh, so we have been set free from the present evil world. So I just want to prove to you before we go any further that the devil is real. And uh, let's go to Matthew 4, 24. Can I have somebody read that for me? Then his fame went throughout all Syria. Turn her up or you scream. Talk loud. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Demon-possessed. Do we still, as a church, as Christians, believe the Bible, or do we believe false science, so-called? Do we believe medical science's limitations, or do we believe the Bible? Demon possession is real, and it still happens today. There are basically three stages of demonic influence, that leads up, two of them lead up to possession. One is a, as it were, a depression or a depression of the human mind. A restraining of the strength of the mind is one of the ways that the devil gets inside and takes control of people. The second thing is an oppression, which can be physical or outside. And then that can lead, if not dealt with, can lead to demon possession. And so demon possession is just as real today as it was then. Could I get an amen? Realize this, the devil doesn't change any more than God changes. The devil has always been a thief, a murderer, and a destroyer. And so God has always been a God of salvation, life, and healing. The devil can't change his spots. God never, ever tries to change. Could I get an amen? All right, can we have Matthew 12, 22 through 29? Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub. Okay, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to des desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will, will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, Beelzebub 
By whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. So here we have where Jesus has cast out a devil. And when he cast out that devil, as soon as the devil is gone, then healing takes place or restoration of health happens. So we do understand that devils have a part, a very intricate part of sickness and disease in people's lives. Amen. Jesus was anointed of the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good, healing all, all of them that were oppressed of the devil. Now, God is not the giver of sickness and disease. He is the healer or the deliverer from sickness and disease. If you divide the thoughts of God, the ways of God from God himself, then you will divide and cut asunder his kingdom in your life. And his kingdom will have no rule or power or influence over your life. You say, oh, just thinking that? Well, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What is so hard to find out what God does, who God is, and how he does it, and then just believe it? Why, do, why does the church have to be so wish-washy? Why do we always have to cut? Look, we owe no man anything except to preach the gospel to him. What we owe God is everything. Could it get an Amen. You say, well, why don't somebody get healed? Why don't this? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea why hell is enlarged every day. I have no idea why sinners don't get saved. I have no idea why people backslide. All I know is that God is not a liar. He is true. And if God is a healer, that's what God does. Amen. And everything else is on the side of man. All right. And uh, so we see here that they even accused Jesus of being Beelzebub. So even the Pharisees and the Sadducees believed in devils. They were a couple steps ahead of the church today. They believed in devils. And they understood that devils could be cast out. So evidently there must have been noticeable criteria to tell them when a devil was there and when it was gone. And then casting out devils is not a New Testament teaching. It is an Old Testament teaching. Why? Believe it or not, there were devils in the Old Testament. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, really. Really, they've been around as long as the earth has been established. And so we understand that there are devils. And if... The Pharisees and Sadducees understood that they could be cast out and that they had to be cast out by a greater power than God and the believer has power enough to cast out devils. Amen. Well, why don't you cast out all devils? Because we don't know everything. You don't know what brought somebody where. Only God knows the hearts of man. And so that's why... Even though we have authority to do so, we do not do it without 
the liberty or the instruction that God gives us to do it for an individual. Amen? All right. So we see that there are devils. And then we see that Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who do your sons cast them out by? Well, he cast them out by the name of Jehovah. Jesus told the, told the father when he was praying, God, I have kept these men in thy name. God's name was not Jesus. God's name was Jehovah. So Jesus used that name and kept his disciples while he walked with him. And so they used the name of Jehovah under the old covenant to cast out devils. Yes, in Judaism, there are exorcisms. Yeah, hallelujah. All right. Now let's go to Matthew 12, 43 through 45. You say, man, we're going to have a lot of scripture. You betcha. I want you to believe in devils. Don't be afraid of them, but believe in them. Amen. All right. Can I have that read? Matthew 12, 43 through 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, <clears throat> I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. So, in this passage of scripture, we see that devils must be able to communicate one with another. Or he could not incorporate or draft others, and therefore, they can make covenants one with another. The stronger submit to the lesser. That would be covenant. Then we know that they can talk among themselves. And we know that they don't just float. He walks. Did you hear me? He walks. So, he is not just a blob of air. He's not a puff of smoke. He is an actual structural being. Could I get an Amen. Yes, absolutely. And uh, he's not Casper the ghost. He's not a ghost. He walks, walks, walks. And when he is separated from a human home, he called it a home. When he loses his house, his place of expression, his place of activity, when he loses that, he is put out into dry places. Well, I've heard people send him to hell. Impossible. Impossible. They will only go to hell in the last day, and they don't go to hell, they go to the lake of fire. But sometimes Christians, wanting to be smart, the devil just laughs at our stupidity because we don't read the Bible. Go back to hell where you come from. He's never been to hell. He doesn't operate out of hell. Hell is a place of incarceration, not of entry and exit. Thus, says Abraham, 
No man can come from you or to us. All right. You, you can't. So, you know, one of the things that makes people so vulnerable to the devil is the ignorance that we accept. We accept it. Why? Because we are not actively involved in searching scriptures. But we are actively gullible to swallow anything that somebody says it says. Hallelujah. Amen. Hmm. Yeah, hallelujah. And then notice that when he goes out, he doesn't find a place. So what does he do? He comes back and checks the house. What's he doing? He's trying to see that if there is or if there are invitational signs hanging on the side of the house. In other words, let me say this. Your activities, your thinking, your relationships invite spiritual activity, whether godly or ungodly. And if you garnish your life for the devil, he will come and the Holy Ghost will leave. No problem. He'll just, he'll leave. Yep. All right. Let's go to uh, Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread, and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. In this passage of Scripture, we see that the Samaritans, which were a nation of Gentile, Jewish, intermixing uh, of uh, intermixed marriages. Okay. And uh, so out of that, even this woman that is not a part of God's called people realizes that there are devils. Now, how does this woman recognize her daughter's got a devil? Evidently, there should be or probably are a lot of signs. But this woman comes and she says, look, my daughter is grievously vexed of a devil. Now, that is some type of discernment between a sickness and the presence of the devil. Amen? Absolutely. So... This woman comes, and she says, look, my daughter is grievously vexed. Then she reveals something else to us that I think is very imperative. Christians today 
don't have much stick to You know, they'll try something once, twice, three times. Yay, I'm out of here. You know what? She didn't give up. Every time she got slapped down, she said, yes, but. In other words, she stayed the course. She kept the faith. If you're going to give up every time the devil runs over you about an issue or a problem, just don't start anything. Because you're building yourself a failure mechanism. You can set ceilings for your faith by giving in at certain levels of faith. Why do you think the devil knows how to get your goat? Why do you think he knows how to get you to break down? Because he has measured your limitations. He has measured your breaking points. And if you don't get after it and stay after it, all he's going to do is run you around the rabbit pen and you're never going to get in the gate. Now, if you're not going to fight the fight to win, Jesus told us like this, look down, do you have enough to win the fight? If you don't, don't start the fight. You don't have enough to finish the house, don't start the house. Well, I tried. Well, I understand you tried. You keep trying and don't follow through. You're just going to injure yourself. You will sear and wound your conscience. And before you even start the next faith activity, your brain will say, you know you ain't going to finish it. It's like you making another uh, New Year's resolution you're going to exercise. You know you're lying to yourself. Your mind knows you're lying to yourself. All right, moving right along. Okay, let's go to Matthew 17, 14 through 23. Well, man, Pastor, we get the point. Well, good, I'm just going to keep hammering it home. All right. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceedingly sorry. Now, in this scripture, again we see a man bringing his son, recognizing 
that what his son is dealing with is a devil. How many of you know that this is a, uh, uh, what do you call them, seizures? Yeah, how many of you know that's an epileptic spirit? Good, you finally caught it. No, it's not. Jesus said he cast, his father said he has a deaf and dumb spirit. Jesus cast out the deaf and dumb spirit. Where did we get that epilepsy was a spirit? Somebody said that. Yeah. And then we wonder how Adam and Eve could really be deceived. When the Bible says it was a deaf and dumb spirit, but religious leaders said it was epilepsy. And we believe with our ears more than we can read the Bible. What if Jesus would have cast out the epileptic spirit? Well, the kid never would have had epilepsy, but he'd still be deaf and dumb. Read the Bible. Don't read with somebody else's opinion in your eyes. Read what it says. Could it get an amen? Amen. All right. So Jesus casts the deaf and dumb devil out, and immediately the young boy is healed. Now understand that devils can have one criteria that they'll operate in, but use that entry to control or manipulate other parts of people's lives. It threw him. It took control of him. Well, I thought a deaf and dumb devil just meant he couldn't talk and he couldn't hear. That was the entry part. And let me say this. The devil can enter. He's no respect to persons. He'll enter a child. He'll enter an old person, young person. He'll enter anybody. What he does is watch for weaknesses or patterns that are sin-natured patterns or on the verge of hypocritical, half-hearted convictions. And what he'll do, or you go through a weak time in your life, you get sick, a spirit will take advantage of you. It's important that you watch people that are around you, your kids and all this kind of stuff, that when they go through sicknesses and diseases, that they don't pick up patterns or start expressing things that are not who they used to be before that event. Now, realize that, you know, uh, if a deaf and dumb spirit comes into a child or something like that, then what he's doing is what? He's creating an avenue into him to take control of his life. Now, that's why, that's why, that is why sickness is nothing to play with. You ever notice that when People have, uh, get sick when they're young, they'll lose hearing. That's very common. Why? Because of a weakness. And he'll use that weakness to enter in and to take captive 
a part of that child's life. I hear it all the time. Sometimes I'm dealing with a deaf and dumb devil, uh, you know, and I say, okay, when did you go deaf? Well, when I was two. I say, okay. Did you get sick? Yes, I had rheumatic fever. And I went deaf. Now I know this is really not a deaf devil. It's a spirit of infirmity Amen. that's manifesting in a different way. Yeah. Now, can anybody tell me uh, epilepsy can be uh, treated with uh, medication? Does anybody know what it is? It's not just a weakness of mind or you. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, what is it? It is a breakdown of nerve endings or avenues that release certain endorphins and so forth in the human mind. And if somebody is prone to have weakness of those, all they have to do is take a light and they can induce a seizure. I mean, and everybody trying to say it's a devil. Well, I understand it could be a devil, but it might just be a nut on the other end of the light. God forbid he'd be a Christian. He'd diagnose you, you have a demon. And you wouldn't have a demon. It's just like depression. All depression is not devils. A lot of depression is just the highways of the mind that are shooting endorphins that have collapsed because of stress. You can get rid of depression by vitamins or moving away from your in-laws. I mean, there's lots of ways to get rid of depression. <laughs> moving right along. Hallelujah. So we see here that these spirits can enter in. They have no respect to persons. They'll, they'll come into children. Why? Because when they come into children, they disrupt peace. They disrupt unity. They break down faith. They reform the activity of people. They do many things. And they control the whole household. Sickness has a way of doing that. Do you, you ever notice? Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, Mark 16, 17, and 18. Very common passage of scripture, and I'm, I'm just stating some things about devils that we're going to uh, deal with uh, coming up. Uh, all right, can we have that read? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so Jesus says, in my name. Somebody say, in his name. We shall cast out devils. So evidently, if we have been authorized by the name, above every name, then evidently Jesus gives us that name from generation to generations, as the scripture doesn't change from generation to generation. What it says to one, it says to all. So Jesus says that in my name you shall cast out devils. Evidently, the church is going to have to deal with devils. They don't go away because we have become technologed. No, they're using technology. And they're going to use it because it's a weakness and, or it causes a weakness 
and they're going to use it, and they're infiltrating a generation. You know the generation coming up? Most of them don't even believe in God. Haven't even been in a church. The only thing they know about God is what they learn off of the web. And of course, if the web said it, it's more established than the Bible anyway. Right, said the crazy person. All right, let's go to Acts, the 16th chapter, verse 16 through 19. Hallelujah. Just a couple more scriptures, then we're going to dismiss you because we're not going to get into the message. All right. And it, oh, and I'm it sorry, somebody pass, read that. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. Now, here we have something that reveals to us how deceptive the devil was. Paul is in the midst of two things. He feels unrest in his spirit, but he hears the words of her mouth. These are the servants of the Most High God that preach to us salvation. Sounds pretty good for advertisement, doesn't it? But in every demonic activity that comes against us, there is always a shred of truth. That's why we have to look at the scriptures. And then, as this happened, realize that the Bible says that she followed Paul many days. Why didn't Paul just turn around and say, Come out of her, you crazy devil! Because he had to wait till God told him to do so. Even though he has authority to do so, he does not have a right to do so until the Lord says. That's sometimes where the church gets messed up is that we try to just do everything when we want to do it. No. Remember, God said... I go down to see Sodom and Gomorrah to see if what they said is true. Then God tells Israel, I can't take you into the promised land because the time of their sin has not come to an end. You never know what is happening in people's lives. So we have to be subject to God just as the devils are subject to us in his name. Don't be presumptuous. You know, sometimes, I've, man, Eric and I have had devils sewed out in front of us. People say, pray for them, pray for them. I said, no, get them out of here. Well, why? Because God never told me to do it. That's just a distraction. You want me to get down there and fight with this devil, use all my focus and my faith, determination for that one devil that God says, it's not time. You say, well, why isn't it? What? I don't know why, 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 why. 
You're not a two-year-old. Get over why, why, why. If God said it, just do it. You know, you told your kids to treat you like God. I don't care what I said. If I said to you, do it. No questions asked. And all you do is why yourself half crazy. Stop it. You don't like your kid doing it. God don't like his kids doing it. If God said it, that's the way it is. Amen. And God's not going to break like you do. All right. So we realize that Paul is subject to exercising his authority. There are seasons. And God controls Daniel to the times and the seasons. Let's just, you know, they that are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So we are not self-leaders. We are those that follow God. That way when Paul says something, it's a word in a due season and the woman is set free. All right, so we have to be careful about that stuff. All right, let's go quickly. One, one, let's go to Acts, the 8th chapter, verse 4 through 8. Therefore, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed of them. And many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So when the devils are cast out, people celebrate. Now, notice what it said. And they cried out with loud voices. Devils can talk. Yes. They can talk. They can use human beings. They use Peter. For Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You desire the things of the flesh and not of the things of God. So even your friends can talk like the devil. Yep. Now, Philip, everybody would say, or let's say a segment of the body of Christ would say, yes, but that was just the apostles that cast out devils. That was just the apostles that did miracles. Really? Then this guy right here is a charlatan because Philip is not an apostle. Not an apostle. Wow. But just by his preaching, demons are crying out. People are being healed. He's just an evangelist preaching. Now let's go to Acts 6, 2 through 7, and then we're wrapping up. Acts 2. I'm sorry. Acts 6, 2 through 7. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said... Wait, stop right there. Who are the twelve? The apostles. Thank you. All right, go on. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. All right, stop right there. Seven men, not apostles... Just look out seven ordinary believers yes. filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Hallelujah. All right. Next verse. Whom we may appoint 
over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient with the faith. Philip was not an apostle. He was a table waiter, a deacon. A deacon in the church? Well, a deacon in the church is supposed to have outside ministries of the church. They are not envelope pushers. They're not crowd directors. They're not chair adjusters. Every deacon is to have a ministry outside of the church. Well, our deacons don't do that. Well, you ought to get real deacons. I used to have deacons. You know, they had nice robes and shawls and all that. And then I read that scripture. The deacons did things outside the church. So I asked all the deacons, I said, any of you do anything outside the church? No. I said, well, you know what? You're not deacons anymore. I just took all their stuff, threw it away. It wasn't no good for nothing except religion. Now, you say, oh, my God, what? You? Oh, my God, what? 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 The Bible has defined the deacon. Why should I try to redefine it? <clears throat> it's like everybody said, oh, don't you have elders in the church? Well, let me see. Moses had 2 million people and had 70 of them. How many do you think we ought to have? Please, please, help me. See, we want to build these religious charades. Stop. Those are the traditions of men that just cripple God. And if you give them a title, you got to deal with their false power. Now they think the one that gave them the, the title is subject to them. No. If mama says you can drive the car, you better drive it the way mama said it. Why? Because she gave you the authority to do it. And somebody gives you authority, you don't become their servant. Stop. Right? I could imagine if the disciples said, look, we ain't doing that. We're just going to pray and study people. Well, I'll tell you what, you ought to read your contract, brother. You got to count, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. They say, we ain't doing that. They'd all be fired. See, we wouldn't have them apostles, them stiff-necked, proud, self-governed people in our church. Absolutely not. We've got a better way. And bless God, when we use that way, God hasn't showed up and we have no trouble. With God trying to straighten us out. But what if we just run it real simply like God said? See, here's what people hate. 
which is on the increase today. They have a form of godliness, but they refuse to submit to the authorities and the rule of Scripture. Now, in the world that we live in, it's very, very common for pastors to be subject to sheep. Now, pastors will shovel the stuff that comes out of sheep, but they shouldn't have to put up with it all the time. Here's a great secret. If your pastor celebrates and is happy in ruling you, yep. that is the will of God. That's right. Yep. In fact, as a sheep, that's what the Bible says. I should make your job be one filled with joy. That's right. Amen. So anytime a sheep Amen. is putting droppings all over my feet, yep. Amen. it is not a good thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? But in the body of Christ, we would never want to correct a sheep because we love. Love never turns its head to rebellion. God will confront you face to face. And that is probably one of the reasons that when Jesus went into temples in Mark, the first chapter, there was an unclean spirit sitting there. And the whole synagogue was used to it. Came in and this woman was bowed over 18 years by a devil. And nobody even thought that was peculiar. There's a lot of demonic stuff going on in the church. But because of the attitude of the church, there can be no exercising of authority against such infiltrating powers. Hmm. Well, we're going to close there. Praise God. All right. To next week, we'll take her up again, and we're going to find out what things create the atmosphere of devils. You, you're going to be surprised how the devil just, he goes after just the smallest seed, he'll just lay in there and he'll water and he'll and he'll just keep it going, keep it going. Why? He discovered a great secret: a little leaven will leaven the whole bunch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep. So we're we're going to we're going to get after it next week.